Welcome back to Boilers in the Stands. I am your host, Joe Jackson. Joining me as always is my co-host, Craig Bowers. Following a Purdue 84-70 victory over Iowa, a game that Purdue never really was able to put away in the second half, but Iowa was never really able to creep. I think within eight was the closest that it got in the second half. Um, a game that Edie dominated. We'll talk about him. There's a lot, a lot of things to talk about um, you know, before football starts, and we appreciate everybody tuning in. I'll throw it to you, Craig. Just kind of a, a key key takeaways from the game for you as you watched. Um, I know we're going to get into stats later on, but obviously, uh, just the the fact that they dominated rebounding uh, yes. to the point that they did. I think it was fifty to twenty four in terms of total rebounds. So, I mean, that's just absolute dominance, and this team should be able to do that um, against certain teams they play, and we've seen it over and over again. Um, other than that, I, I really thought, I mean, obviously we need to start in with Zach here. I, yeah. he finishes with 30 points and 18 rebounds, just a ridiculous stat line, uh, in terms of points and rebounding. I, I think it's the most 30 point double doubles since Glenn Robinson in a row, um, at yeah, three or something like that. So obviously just ridiculous stat lines from him in the first half. It was really, even though Zach was still racking up points in the first half beyond Zach, it was a real big team contribution mm -hmm. in the second half, that pool of who was contributing kind of shrunk. And we always knew, look, I was a really good offensive team. They always are. <clears throat> and if you go on a stretch where you don't hit some field goals, they are perfectly capable of making a run. So you kind of felt like Purdue fans have seen this enough. And I can always reference back to that home game where we had like a 19 or 20 point lead at the end towards the end of the first half. And then Iowa came all the way back and won. And it like, you know, Iowa just offensively under Fran is going to be good. They're going to make a run at some point in time. Perkins was ridiculous today. Um, but with that said, Purdue always just kind of kept them at arm's length, like never really let them back in really similar to the IU game. And, when you're on the road in the Big Ten, if you can get up 20 and just kind of keep them at arm's length at 10 points or so whenever they do make their run and the crowd gets behind them, that's about as good as you can hope for. Yeah, Rowlett, uh, Rowlett Boiler says, any road win in the Big Ten is big, loving it. And I think that's true. Obviously, I think the second half, Purdue fans probably won a little bit more and would, would have liked to see closer to that 15-point lead the entire way. But on the road in the Big Ten is just tough to do. We've seen it already. Um who had it here? JB had, we are halfway through our conference row games sitting at three and two. And like, obviously those two losses aren't ones that Purdue likes in general uh, with no Nebraska and Northwestern being them. But at the same time, three and two right now on the road in the big 10, you take it. We just saw Wisconsin the other day get beat by Penn state on the road. Like really any team can beat anybody this year, especially when you're on the road in the big 10, we just, we've talked about, the Big Ten has a down year kind of at the top with Purdue being elites. And then you have a couple teams that you have two teams in Illinois and Wisconsin that seem good to maybe a little bit better. And then it's just kind of whatever the rest of the way. But um, but at the same time, even the bottom teams right there, they can give you they can give you trouble on any given night. Going to Edie, he had 18 rebounds and Iowa had 24. Like, I think that right there, if you were to take out everything else and that was the only thing you looked at. It'd be a pretty safe bet that Purdue wins this game. Uh, just absolutely dominant. Like what he is doing, we can't take for granted because he makes it look easy and Purdue runs stuff so well to get him the ball and, and all that stuff. And But it's, at the same time, it's like this isn't normal. Like 
people don't do what he's been doing. It's in, like no. he, he's insane. Purdue did such a good job. Let's just let's just dive into him uh, off the top here. Like Purdue did such a good job of just getting him the ball too. Um, Iowa filtered through a little bit of single coverage, some traps, and even the timing of the traps, whether it be on the dribble, on the catch, didn't really matter. Edie just kind of tore it up, uh, had only one turnover today, 15 shot attempts, 15 free throw attempts, 10 of 15 for both of those. Uh, just, just such good action of Purdue player, one of the Purdue guards, wings, understanding like, hey, Edie just can do what he wants right now. We don't need to force any shots. You saw a couple forced shots, but for the most part, it was passing up a, a decent to good look on the perimeter and being like, no, let's just get the ball to ED down low, let him go to work. Um, just just really good stuff. You saw, I know Hummel mentioned it on the podcast or on, on the podcast, on the broadcast. Uh, getting the ball to ED in the middle, that's one way to beat these double teams. It's just you get him in the middle of the lane, let him go quick. Freeman and Cricky for both have been good this year. They just they don't have it defensively to even come close to matching up with ED. Um, it, it's just, yeah, literally like kind of whatever Iowa threw at them, Purdue was able to counter, still get ED the ball, uh, and, and kind of just do what he wanted. So what are, what are your thoughts, I guess, as we dive deeper into what ED did today? Well, like like you said, I, I thought our guards did a really nice job of being patient. That, that was one of the key things I wrote um, in terms of keys to the game is, they knew who was eaten and where they were buttering their bread today. And I, I thought they did an extremely nice job of staying patient. Braden a few times picked up his dribble, looked like he might get trapped or might get caught up and was just super patient about it and eventually found him with a lob. A couple of times kind of pivoted and gave him a little bounce pass. One of those was actually to TKR. TKR did a really nice job of sealing off and getting the angle. And then Smith pivoted and gave him a nice little bounce pass down low. But also I thought our big to big passing was really good. and. Like, I always want more of that. <laughs> Every time I see TKR catch it, like, right above the free throw line and throw that high to low pass, I think first had one um, today as well. Yeah. I think that was from the baseline, though, maybe. Um, but I, I love when we do that big to big passing. I, I thought that was really effective. We had a few misfires, right? Like, uh, yeah. Fletcher sent one into the outer realm at about 90 miles an hour. And I think Jones had a, had a bad pass to Edie in there too. So, um, you know, that entry passes to big men, as much as we feed Zach, there's going to be a few bad passes along the way, but by and large, I, I thought the guards and the bigs, um, when the play was called for, did a really, really nice job. One of those was out of a timeout, right? I, I think, um, right at the end of the first half, there was a timeout. Iowa had the ball, and then they came down and went right into a set. I think TKR, it was, it was TKR, I'm pretty sure, got it on the baseline and gave a nice little bounce pass to seal off by Zach down low uh, yeah, to score yeah. two. Um, just, I, I thought, really nice job of primarily making good entry passes and getting the ball to Zach where he can score. Yep, Brad Prather says, we're privileged to see a part of history being made with Zach Eady's dominance, and it's true. Like, we're it, what, what years were was Big Dog? You would know what you uh, would have been mid 90s. I think maybe 91 to 95, 30 ish years ago. So <clears throat> you yep. maybe if you get lucky, you see a player like this once every 30 years right now at Purdue is kind of what it's it's been. Um, yeah, just just can't say enough on what he's done and just the ability. I, I know we talked about we both mentioned um, oh, JB really quick said 92 to 94 for his when Big Dog was at Purdue. We both mentioned the guards yeah. being patient, getting the ball to Edie. Just also kind of the other way of like it's I feel like it's almost a calming for them of like they just know that they don't have to force. They know like 
if they don't have to force, if they don't like it a hundred percent, just be patient. They'll get the they'll get the ball. They'll get a good shot, and that's what Purdue's offense is predicated on. It's is getting good shots, and they do that basically more than basically everybody in the entire country. Um, just yeah, really impressive to even, watch. Even if it's not to Zach, right? They they still yeah. have confidence they can find a good shot late in the shot clock. There was uh, sometime in that in that first half, there was a play. Um, where it gets kicked out and then like swing, swing to Lance and Lance hits a three with like two seconds left on the shot clock or something like that. That was a really, really good look by him uh, in, in that particular moment. So I, I just don't think there's a lot of panic. Um, you know, Smith still gets caught up at times and will throw a bad pass. But again, we've said it a thousand yeah. times when he's going to be creative and do that probing every once in a while, that's going to happen. I don't think that's so much panic as it is just every once in a while you're going to get caught up. Yep. Um, when Reem says happy here was no, there was no IU hangover. That was kind of one of my, my key points for the, for the game was just like, come out strong. Um, they didn't have the greatest first few minutes, but after that, they really kicked it into gear. And that's that big stretch in the first half that, you know, 15 minutes to five minute mark in the first half is when they kind of blew the thing game open and kept it from there. Um, I'm happy to see that I use, or I was also been on a, you know, they were on a three game winning streak. They've been playing better. This could have been a spot where if Purdue comes out super flat, you know, after the after a big IU win, comes out super flat, Iowa gets super hot, and now you're you're trailing eight instead of being even. And so when that push happens, now it's you push it to a three point lead instead of ten, and, and things go from there. Um, anything else on Needy? I don't, I don't really. I think we should probably. I think the next player we probably should hit on is Smith, but we can do some stats first. Um, no, I don't have it. Well, I mean, he was big defensively today too. Sure. I don't remember exactly how many blocks he finished with. Um, but I, Iowa was having some success getting downhill and getting to the rim out of that, you know, high ball screen, pick and roll action. Um, but, uh, where is, okay. I clicked he on home four stats, blocks. my bad. So yeah, four blocks. I think there was one that didn't get accounted for on Perkins that I thought he got his fingertips on could have finished with five, but he definitely altered that shot. Um, and Perkins was going off, and there was a key stretch kind of later there in the game when I want to say the score was like somewhere between 10 and 11. He gets two blocks on on Perkins in a row uh, when he got downhill and after he'd been having a lot of success before that. I thought there was kind of a special, like, welcome to the real Big Ten moment. We, we've talked a lot about how, how good Freeman has been as a rookie, but Freeman tried to take Zach on in the first half one time, uh, tried to like body him up and turn around and Zach just, I don't even think he jumped. He just swatted him like, Hey there, little man, how you doing today? Yeah. No, that's, it's where, it's where there's, there's just levels to it. Freeman's been fantastic this year. Cricky's been really good for Iowa. And it's just, it's not like a fault to them that they're not Zach Eady, but, at the same time, they just didn't quite literally did not have a matchup for him at all. Uh, let's get into some of the stats and then we'll flow into some more of the players. So I'll just kind of skim through some of these. Purdue wins 84 to 70. Um, they lead most of the game. I think it was like 32, 31 minutes of the game. Edie with 30 points, 18 rebounds, four blocks. Jones, 17 points, six rebounds, four or nine from three. Hit a couple really big ones, which we'll talk about too. Uh, Lawyer, 12 points, two rebounds, two assists. Braden, who we'll definitely hit on. Nine points, six rebounds, nine assists, four turnovers. And then also every single player for Purdue scores all nine players. Even Morton, he hits a little mid-range pull up there. Um, Purdue shoots nine of 26 from three, which is 34.6%. Not insane night, but not a terrible night either. 
Purdue wins the rebounding 50 to 24, including 19 to 4 on the offensive glass. Turnovers is 11 for Purdue, 7 for Iowa. So Purdue does, for the most part, a pretty good job keeping that down. Um, fast break points, only 7 for Iowa, none for Purdue. 36 points in the paint for Purdue, 34 for Iowa. Uh, last stat, 19 assists for Purdue, 15 for Iowa. Skim through, or I guess the other guy we should mention is Tony Perkins did have 24 points, five rebounds, and four assists for Iowa, 10 and 19 from the floor. Just really did a good job getting into the lane. We'll talk about that in a sec. Craig, what stands out to you for the stat sheet? I mean, I already mentioned the rebounding, obviously, but um, I mean, beyond that, again, there's been this. Okay, so bear with me for a second. <laughs> There's been a little bit of a narrative of a comparison of this season to last season because of kind of when some of the losses have occurred throughout the season after being ranked number one on the road at a Big Ten uh, uh, opponent, that type of thing that were somewhat paralleled last season. Never mind the fact that, like, if you actually look at the quality of opponent that Purdue beat this year in that non-conference schedule, it was significantly more difficult of a schedule. And they knocked off a lot of really high quality teams relative to last year's schedule in that same time frame. But beyond that, um, when we hit January last year, uh, Purdue kind of went into a, a three point slump when they got into some of those losses. And you're just not seeing that this year, right? Uh, whether it's on the road, whether it's at home, by and large, Purdue has shot the three ball pretty well uh, coming off of this stretch. Obviously, Smith has had a little bit of struggles lately, but you look at Lawyer, you look at Jones. Um, some of the other players around them, Gillis, Heidi, um, in reality, that trend from a percentage standpoint, I think if we looked at it would actually be trending the other way that they're actually shooting better from three, everybody probably besides Smith on this team in this stretch. So I'm just going to point out the three point percentage, um, ends at 35%, um, been a few games here lately where they've hovered around 40%. Lance has been a big part of that. If you look at his last three games, right, he shoots 44% today. He shoots, I think, 41% the last two games, if I remember right, 43%. So he shoots 44% today, 43% the game before, 43% at Penn State two games ago as well. Um, and points-wise, you look at what Lance has done, and there's some things we could harp on Lance today. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Uh, but points-wise, over that last three games, with two of them being road games, 17, 17, and 14 in those last yeah. three games. And it if he's shooting 40% from three and lawyers <laughs> shooting, I don't know what lawyer finished tonight, um, two of six. So only 30%. Yeah, only 30% tonight. But both of those guys primarily have been shooting the three ball really well lately. Yeah, I mean, uh, we go back through. I have the three-point percentage pulled up. Like, they have – they shot – the last time they shot below 30, like 6% was Eastern Kentucky. Um, they've shot, if you go back to what, even just the whole season, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, they've shot below 35% now eight games out of their, what is it, 17? Um, and even in a few of those, is is right there, that like 33% mark, where it's, not, it's that point where it's like, it doesn't shoot you out of the game. You don't win the game off three-point shooting, but it definitely doesn't shoot mm -hmm. you out. I mean, I agree. I, I think the other thing that with it is I think last year it was very much you only had a couple guys that could shoot, right? Brain, there was a lot of emphasis on what Brain could do as a shooter, Fletch, Mason Gillis, as they were just kind of the big ones. Um, David Jenkins, too, off the bench, I guess. But um, 
you just look at who's shooting this year. It's it's literally basically everybody. Braden obviously has been in a slump. We'll talk about that. Fletcher's shooting the ball pretty well. Lance is shooting the ball more or less pretty well. You know, and then you go down the bench. Mason Gillis has been really good from three. Camden Heidi has his, his one three a game, and he's making them basically as many as he's missing right now. Um, you can just kind of go up and down, and so there's more people to do it. And uh, you also have better shooter shooting. This is not like a – I love Ethan Morton. I think he's in a much, much better role this year. I just looked at the stats. He took 94 threes last year. Like that's just, that's not the best way to use Ethan Morton. That's not the best way to help the team in terms of shooting and that as well. Um, so now you can, you have different guys like Mason Gillis is shooting the ball really well. Fletcher Lawyer, TKR can knock him down. Brain Smith, Lance, Jones, like you can go, you can go up and down. And so that makes me more confident that the shooting can sustain because if one guy has a bad night, it's not the end of the world. If two or three, now you're going to start being in trouble. But last year, if one or two guys had a bad night shooting, you just they just weren't making three-point shots, I think. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I guess what what anything else that jumped out to you off that stat page? I mean, the rebounding is obviously insane. Um, there's the stats here for anybody watching on video. Lance Jones shooting well is important. I think uh, Iowa only going five of seventeen from three. They are not a team that likes to shoot threes this year. They were they're near IU in terms of three point frequency, which is surprising for an Iowa team. But still, you know, Sanford's three for ten. Obviously, just not letting him go nuclear is is a big key in that. Um, if we go back to, you know, we're we're putting out kind of these quick keys to the our keys to the game. Uh, over on our Twitter at Boilers and Stands, kind of read through them. We had we had five for today. One come out strong. Maybe the first couple minutes weren't great, but they didn't get in a deficit. And then from there, they they bolted. Uh, two get Edie going. He had 15 and 12 last game against Iowa. Obviously, I, I would say Zach Edie got going. I don't know if you would uh, uh, disagree with that one, or if anybody would. No. <laughs> uh, get back on defense. I think I read Iowa has had seven transition points. Handle the press. From my recollection, the only turnover was that Jones passed to Smith against the press, and even that was more just like a – that was just a really bad pass. I, I don't think as much like – like Purdue was just handling the press this year. I'm, I'm yep. If a team hardcore presses a game, there's going to be a couple turnovers. I'm not saying that, but like it just doesn't – at the moment, it just doesn't scare me. I trust what Purdue can do. Uh, last thing, and maybe that will lead us into the Brain Smith talk, is uh, Brain being aggressive. He just – he has to continue being aggressive, even if the shot isn't falling. And that'll lead us into, I think, Braden right now, because he is one an interesting player to talk about at the moment. Nine points, six rebounds, nine assists, four turnovers. Um, and my takeaway for today was he dominated that first half. Like, I thought he was just in complete control that first half, getting whatever he wanted for Purdue, for the offense. But in that second half, he started to force, I think, a little bit. He had a couple just weird turnovers. And then the shot's just not falling. We... Um, what is he? He's not shooting well. Somebody had the stats. I'll try to find the comments as, as we go through this. But how important do you think it is to you for Brain to be able to hit shots if he's still facilitating and let's say let's say like you know he doesn't have a great shooting game, but he controls the game pretty much everywhere else. And I would say he did that for thirty to thirty-five minutes of this game, and he had a bad stretch where he didn't. So what, 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 I guess I kind of skipped the question again, but like how important is that to you for him to be able to actually make those shots if he's still creating for everybody else? I mean, I, I still think it's really important because we we've yeah. seen games where Lance and Fletcher aren't both going to be scoring well. Um, and let's not forget Fletcher was huge in that first half, right? He, I think he finishes oh, yeah. with 10 point, 
he finishes with 10 points, but his, um, I think 11 of those came in the first half. I want to maybe 12, 10, 10. 10? Okay. Yeah. So 10 came in the first half in that stretch, uh, but he was huge. I um, mean, I think he hit both of his threes in the first half. He got, uh, it says little mid range rim where you don't understand how he can possibly hit it because he takes some really super awkward fall after taking contact. So he was big. Um, but you know, over the course of the last few games, Fletcher and Lance, even if they're, even if they didn't shoot at a super high percentage or scoring effectively enough to generate points for this team to win. But we've seen games where that's not the case. We've seen games where, where Fletcher struggled. We've seen a couple of games where maybe Lance has struggled to shoot at a high percentage. Um, and when that happens, it, it's going to be vital that Smith's hitting that little mid range shot more so than I'm worried about whether or not he's shooting a super high percentage from three is, is just being worried about him consistently hitting that elbow jumper rolling off that high ball screen action. Um, cause he was money there for most of the season. And it's just been a weird, funky little three game stretch or so from Smith like here lately. And like I've got confidence that that'll come back, both the three-point shooting and that elbow jumper. I guess the only thing that worries me a little bit is just usage. Like, mm -hmm. is this a sign that Braden's tired, or is this just a funky stretch? Um, because yeah. if this is reflective of him being tired from having to play so many minutes, um, you know, I, I know Lance gives him a spell. I I, I think there's... I said the last two games we've seen a little run in the second half. It, it would be nice if we could keep the foot on the pedal a little bit longer and, and give give Braden because it hasn't necessarily happened when Braden was out of the game that they've gone on those runs. Um, it, it's sometimes it seems like it's happened right before Braden would be getting his break, and then it's like you feel like you can only sub him out for a couple of minutes. Um, it'd be nice if we could figure out how to get him just a little bit bigger stretches throughout the game and preserve his body and his legs throughout the season. It's my yeah. takeaway personally. Fair. Um, I'm with I the shot's gonna come back. I, I just think that it, it's just gonna come back. I think a lot of it right now is well, I, I don't I mean I don't like doing this because we have no clue, obviously, right? What we have no clue on anything like that, but just the way he's reacting on the floor a bit, it just seems like honestly honestly, a lot of it's in his head at this point, too. He just you can tell how bad he wants the ball to go in. He knows he's on a slump, um, even when he's he's made a couple. I think, for me, like I expect the jumper to come back, keep shooting him, keep being confident. Um, and if it's another three to five games that he isn't, then then for me, I'll probably start being really being more concerned about it. He doesn't need to be a fifteen you know uh, point per game guy. Like if the last time he had less than six assists this year was Arizona, and that was the game he had twenty six points. Um, He's still like contributing a lot in a lot of ways. Still got to score the ball. Still got to make jumpers. Um, I'm concerned a little bit about the drives to the rim, and that might be kind of related to your usage points. It seems like he has a little less pop right now, but also like Iowa today just sagged in the paint a ton on all drives and everything because they were so worried about Edie. So it's yeah, like if teams are doing that now, he Braden has to hit the pull up, and if the pull up isn't falling, it's just tough for him to get shots. Um, First half, though, especially, he just dominated Iowa. He he picked them apart. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just put that that comment up from Ulamog. I, I don't know that that's what you're saying. Like, it was a good game, just not a good scoring game. Yeah, I, I think he, I think Ulamog said, so bad game, but not enough to be worried about for anybody listening on audio, which we are on Apple and uh, Google po Podcast and Spotify. 
Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Also, if you prefer this on audio as you travel or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a I think it was a solid game for Brayden. It wasn't elite. That first half I thought was elite. I thought he struggled in the second half, and it kind of just balances out. Um, he's still just so important for Purdue that like you, it's just tough to take him off the floor, like you said. You hope you can get him some more minutes off, but at the same time, they just need him. He just does so much for this team, and there's more to offense than just scoring, and Brayden exemplifies that a ton. Be interesting to see if maybe teams start like really daring him to shoot and dare him to score again out of the slump. You have to see how he reacts and all that. But um, I, I think there was still there was definitely some bad with the shooting and some of the some of the turnovers too in the second half. He just forced, but at the same yeah. time, nobody on Purdue can do what he does and what he does for this team. So you just you just have to live with it at this point too. And not just nobody from Purdue. There's only a handful of guards in the country that can control a game like he does um, because when he gets in his groove and I thought he did in the first half in terms of just manipulating the defense to get position, not just for him, but to manipulate the defense where it kind of forces everybody else to do what he wants so that Zach can get the position he wants or TKR can get the position he wants or draw everybody in and kick out for a wide, wide open three. You know, it, it's, it's like he's controlling puppets on a string sometimes when he gets in those stretches and, there's just not too many point guards. Tyler Kolick comes to mind um, at Marquette when he gets into that same type of groove. Interestingly, they're both kind of going through the same shooting slump at the exact same time right now. Um, but, you know, he's one of those guys, and there's just very few around the country that are true pass-first point guards that can pick apart and control a defense like they do. Yep, 100%. Um, do we want to talk about Lance now? Actually, let's... There's one thing it's kind of on topic because okay. we've mentioned this this year, the hedge, right, being the issue for Braden. Um, and I was started in a hedge, and I think throughout the game they gradually went more to like a drop coverage to make, take away Edie. But I thought that they did um, something interesting today, and, and as I've been trying to see, like what what is what can Purdue do to just beat this hard hedge and still like get Braden uh, being aggressive and get good shots. And I think – they showed it a little bit today. I'll go full screen here. We'll go to the board. Um, so, Sorry about that. Right, I, still have, I still have to set this up a little bit. But um, so you say, uh, and then who would this be? Jones. Okay. So what this could, they could do is roll and replace. They run it literally all the time. Um, and it's just a simple action. And so as Brain has the ball here, right, he comes off this big. He's going to come out and, and hedge this, right? And he wants Brain to to – retreats now he's going to have two on the ball as this happens well this roll and replace is Edie's going to dive and so you have defender here he's going to step in defender here he's going to step in and then there's a this is gillis usually right here he's right here this defender has to take Edie, and all this happens is gillis just leaks out here and so now you have two defenders on the ball way up here you have basically two to three defenders on Edie as he rolls to the rim, and then you have Gillis replacing it. And so now even if Braden is having to really retreat, Gillis is going to end up in this area right here. And more often than not, he's going to be pretty wide open. Um, and that's just that's just the way I thought that they did a good job of uh, taking away Iowa's hedge, making them really have to get out of it. Obviously, Edie being as dominant he's, as he was forces teams to just really play drop coverage and take away the rim. Um, but – just a simple look, or sometimes even two. What will happen is is Gillis will even come up and kind of set a back screen for Edie if some one of the defenders does stay. 
But just getting Gillis to slip out here to the top of the key, it's a release valve. He can either get an open shot or say this defender flies up here, another pass, open shot. And then at that point, you have numbers. Edie maybe can get a post touch if no three comes from it. But uh, just a way I wanted to point out really quick that I thought Purdue did a pretty good job kind of getting around Iowa's hedge. Iowa's not a good defensive team, so you want to see it against better <laughs> defensive teams as well. But good schematics. I thought it was interesting. Um, and yes, Craig, we can now hit on Lance Jones, unless you have anything on that that you wanted to mention. No, nothing, nothing more on that. I think it's just good to see them starting to figure out how to work around that better, because obviously it's something that gave, uh, you know, Smith and Purdue in general trouble, um, you know, midway in the season there as they, as they started to see that and people started to replicate it. So it's nice to see some improvement in terms of how they handle that for sure. So I thought, you know, this, to me, this was more of a prototypical Jones games, like the the really good and then the, and then and the, really the, the not so the good game. moments. You know, like the Indiana game to me was a perfect Lance Jones game in terms of making the right decisions, uh, taking good shots and, and playing good defense in that game. This game was a little bit more up and down. Um, you know, we we didn't we didn't really hit on the fact that we had zero transition points, but Lance didn't really have a chance to get out and run today. Um, like he normally does in games, but you know, obviously shot the ball really well from three. He got cooked by Perkins today, like, like Perkins. And I don't, I've watched Perkins now for several years. Right. And there's some games you watch him and you're like, how's this dude? Not all big 10. And yeah. then you'll watch the next game and you're like, how is this even the same guy? And that that's who Perkins is. Perkins can have games where he looks incredible and looks like a first team, all big 10 player and he was in that groove today and he was really taking advantage of that drop coverage and I don't I don't know his season long stats in mid-range when I've watched him before I haven't seen him be like just superb in that mid-range game but he was superb today and then when you started worrying about that when Zach kind of tried to step up a little bit then he got to the rim on Zach a few times um yeah. and just kind of use a change of pace to really quickly make a burst and score before Zach could recover and try to block him there. So I mean, Perkins was all in his bag and, and Lance obviously struggled with him there. Not everything was against Lance, but a lot of them were. And obviously there was a bad read here or there, but then you turn around and like, and Lance did this in the IU game too. And, and Hummel said it on the broadcast. And we've talked before about last year, there were some times where you just needed a dude for better or worse that has never been scared of a shot in his life and is going to take it like he would take that shot. If the score was four to four, two minutes into the game. Yeah. And he does that. And like, he just stepped in and buried that three. Like it was nothing when I would cut the run to eight. And that was it. That was game right there. Like he just ended any chance yep. or thought that Iowa might come back into it. Um, and, and that, that confidence is so important on this team, I think. Um, he just never lets the moment get into his head. I think Fletcher's done a lot better job of that too. He struggled in the second half, but just throughout the year this year, I think he's done a better job of just not getting caught in the moment. But I think Lance exemplifies that never been scared. What you're, you're probably too young to remember. There used to be no fear t-shirts. Do you remember those? Like no fear t-shirts. And I guarantee people in the not chat me. remember like no fear hats, no fear t-shirts, no fear bumper stickers. Like I need to buy some of those like find them on uh ebay or something from when they used to make it and just send lance an entire wardrobe of it yeah no that's that's fair um 
the yeah jones you you had good like you said the shot making is no fear like he really just has none um is willing to take shots at literally any point in time um, sometimes that leads to some bad shots but the defense is interesting too and uh, Taterology said, I thought Jones did a solid jobs on Perkins. He made him take a lot of long and mid-range twos. Perkins just did a great job of hitting them. I think that's a combo. I think there was a combo of like what you said, Craig, of like Perkins at times just kind of cooked Jones. At times he also hit some some tough ones. And I was also a team that they take an insane amount of mid-range shots. They are like near – I could pull up the exact stats pretty quick. Uh, but they are right at the top in the country in like percentage of shots coming from mid-range. 94th percentile, so like – I can do this quick math. Probably they're probably like top 25 in percentage of shots coming from the mid range. Purdue is a team that gives up an insane amount of mid range shots. And so you have that little bit of a battle. I think that's why you see Perkins a lot by, of times by design. Yeah. By, by design. designs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. By designs with, with Edie's job coverage, right? They're going to take away the, th- the rim with Edie when you're going through a screen, Jones or whoever it is, Morton, Heidi, whatever is going to fight over the top and just kind of try to force the ball handler into that 10, 15 foot area. Perkins loves that area though, and, and he Iowa in general loves getting to that spot. Um, I thought Perkins also just did a good job of being aggressive. And at times, I think in the first half, especially, um, and I know Perkins got cooking more in the second half, but like it just felt like Purdue was a step slow on defense at times. Um, I just some of the rotations, I think they were it's I I don't quite know. I didn't I wasn't quite able to catch it enough a lot, like. I wasn't able to process it enough live to really know. So maybe after I rewatch, it'll be better. But like, it just seemed like sometimes they were kind of switching ED and TKR onto it. Sometimes they weren't. I didn't know if it was there. Was, it didn't seem like there was any rhyme or reason, though. Um, and so it, it just never quite seemed comfortable. You combine that with Perkins being aggressive, um, Jones having to, you know, get through screens, and, and he didn't do a great job of that. That's going to allow a lot of mid range shots. And then also credit to Perkins for making them as well. Um, but yeah, a couple, one or two, one bad, one bad pass for sure that I can think of for Jones. But then, just aggressive. He sh- shoots the ball really well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I have too much more on Jones. I guess I'm relating to the defensive point because, like, okay, actually, I'll ask you this really quick first. Like, what what do you think of Purdue's defensive performance today? Like, just quick rating scale, whatever you want to do it. I mean, it's Iowa, right? What what's I what's Iowa rank in Ken Palm and offense? Uh, I'm just curious. 17th. Right. Top 20 offensive team in the country, and we held them to 70 points. So I don't think that's a bad performance. I I just, I feel like anytime you play Iowa, if you keep them under 80, you're doing okay. Right. And like, I I thought there was some times where they cooked us. Uh, Obviously, I already mentioned Perkins, but man, there's just a a ton of people on that Iowa team that have a lot of offensive capability. Um, Cricky, I think just his ability to hit mid range and 10 to 15 foot shots, but he can also get in and work the post. Um, obviously we've seen Freeman, what he's done as a freshman, didn't really have a big game tonight, but then you've got Sanford um, and you've got Dix, um, Josh Dix. Um, also all of those guys have quite a bit of game to their offense and, and can score in different ways. And Iowa shares the ball. Well, um, in, in terms of just their actions and how fast they can swing that ball around. So, like, I'm fine giving up 70 points to Iowa at home, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I don't look at it and say, like, wow, we did a heck of a job defensively outside of Zach Eady, uh, protecting the rim. Like I said, I really think he should have finished with five blocks. Outside of Zach, I don't know that anybody was was incredible defensively, but as a team, I will take 70 
scored by Iowa at home any day. That was where, so I was eventually getting to it. Tariq Kamel says our defense has to come get better come March. That was the fourth best, or how do I want to word this? That was the fourth worst Iowa offensive performance of the season. Like I was just good <laughs> offensively. Like Purdue, Purdue actually has the fifth as well when when they came uh, to Mackey Arena. So like the two of the five worst offensive performance for Iowa come against Purdue. Um, the others is Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Iowa State, which are all top twenty Ken Palm teams, by the way. Um, like there's definitely things to improve. There there is, and but it's just at the same time Purdue is solid enough that you, as long as you get somebody, you get Ed going plus a shooter. Um, like ED plus a shooter plus solid defense is going to result in a lot of wins for Purdue just because of what, how good they are offensively. You just have to be, you have to be solid in terms of like the upper tier of teams, right? Like if, mm -hmm. you know, they're 17th right now in, in defense of Kempom they're or 14th, sorry. Um, so, so, cause street Kamel said we need to get our D back to top 10 Kempom by March. They're at 14. There's, it's a pretty marginal difference between 10 and 14, like. It's it's probably a matter of ten to fifteen points throughout the season or something like that. Um, stick around that area, obviously keep up the offense, and Purdue will give them a chance to do what they need to do come March. Um, go throw back up the stats here. We talked about Jones. We talked about Brain. Uh, Fletch has twelve points, five ten shooting, two of six from three, two rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. Um, I thought he did. For the most part, a fairly good job defensively. Iowa, I think, schemed pretty well. They hit him with a lot of flare screens where they could get uh, Sanford open threes. So he wasn't great getting through those. I don't think he wasn't getting like absolutely torched. Like it wasn't one of those games where it's like lawyer needs to come out because of the defense. Um, offensively, I think he forced two shots. One of them was a drive. One of them was was a three that just not in rhythm at all. Everything else, I thought he just let the game come to him. You'd like to see, like, to, in terms of if you're looking at the pure stats, he's two of six from three. You'd like to see, like, three of six for fit. But, like, um, I don't have too much on lawyer besides that. I thought, like, did a pretty good job. Wasn't, like, an elite game. Solid. I thought he, lawyer game. I, I really thought Fletch held up defensively relatively well. Um, unless I think there was a time or two he got switched on to Perkins. But outside of that, I, I thought he did fine. Well, he was mainly on Sanford, right? Yeah. Whatever Sanford yeah, was. I, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he did relatively well on him. Uh, and obviously that play late in the game where he gets his hand on the ball and hits it into the backcourt uh, was a good defensive moment there for him. But really, when you just look up and down this team today, like I, I was thinking about this as we were like, where are we going to go next? Is there anybody on this team today? And you've already seen the plus minuses, but is there anybody on this team today that you're like, man, they didn't have a good game today? Like they didn't make positive contributions today. No, because really, like, I thought first gave good energy. We'll talk, we'll at least hit on Morton a bit because he had a good stint. Um, Gillis, TKR both had good, yeah, like, really. Yeah, maybe I, like Cam's, Cam's maybe the only one. Yeah. He finishes one of five. He picks up three personal fouls. A couple of them were not good fouls. Um, but he still has four rebounds and he gets that layup. So, like, not a bad game, not a good game for Cam uh, relative to some of his others. But, this is a few games now where, you know, post Nebraska, where by and large, you're like, everybody's pretty much given positive contributions when they come in in one way or another. Um, and we've seen that twice from Ethan now. Um, I, I thought Caleb played really well when he was in today. Um, TKR, I thought, gave some really good minutes today when he was in also. So mm -hmm. 
I just general team effort or, or team contributions all the way around, even though you had a dude in the middle of the paint put up 30 and 18, you know? Yeah. Um, there it is. The comment Shank, from Shank Hawks. And she's just talking about Purdue. Every There was nine players that played for Purdue today. She said all nine had a rebound and eight had an assist. The only... Uh, and all nine seven, scored. So, oh yeah, the only one that didn't, and the only one that didn't have an assist is Ethan Morton. Uh, which, yeah, all nine score, all nine have a rebound, eight have an assist. Like, just you got contributions for pretty much everywhere. I, I agree. Kaidi probably had the worst game out of the bunch, and he only played eight minutes for that as well. Um, right. Yeah. I, I, it's just it's, it's, it goes back to the I, that was that was it popped in my brain. That was something I wanted to mention, and Hummel kind of mentioned it too. Is like this team has. So nine guys played today, right? Nine guys. And and I are we safe saying the rotation's at nine players, right? At this point in the season, it's it's a nine man mm-hmm. rotation. The only one that hasn't started for Purdue is Camden Heidi. Everybody else has had some starts in their career, and it's not even just like a one-off. Every all eight others have started, I would assume double digit games. I guess I would need to quickly double check first. Um, yeah, no, he started a large chunk of last season. Gillis like has started, Morton started all of last year. Um I'm not saying in terms of talent, maybe that Purdue has eight players that would start on every team, but at the same time, Purdue has eight players with significant experience in the starting role. Now you have some off the bench. Goes back to just the versatility of this team and what they can do. We say it every game is like it's not a it's it's not a matter of this player needs to play more than this player in general. It's a game by game thing because quite literally all nine can give contributions. And even if you want to include Colvin as the tenth, like. There are spots where he can come in and give you good shooting and things like that. Um, yeah, just just impressive how well rounded this team is, and that was one of the when we came into the season, right? That wasn't that our big cons- our quote unquote concern was like, man, how are we? How is it, how's Painter going to get all these all eleven of these guys' minutes? And now it's the rotation is going to dwindle down, and it might it might get cut to eight at some point too. But uh, the depth I don't is, think it's so. not quite where we thought preseason, but it's it's. It's good. Yeah, I, I I think these nine keep playing, and I I still think um you know there's a couple of people in the chat saying we got to find Colvin minutes. I, I still think there's gonna be somewhere along the way where Colvin's important. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it was in a tournament game. Uh, if Purdue was struggling to score, that Colvin gets tossed in, bangs a couple of threes because he's gonna take two in the first four minutes that he's in there. Um, four possessions, and, and if he's hot, Painter's gonna ride him. Like yep. he's shown that. Um. It's not that long ago that Colvin played 16 minutes against the top 20 team. So, like, I I, I think uh, there's still a chance that that we're going to see. I, I think he's primarily going to ride this nine-man rotation, but I will not be shocked at all if Colvin gets run in a game, if he's got some guys struggling. But like we've said, these last three games, like, pretty much everybody that's come in has done something positive for the team. So you're not really searching any further down that bench in that time. But Yeah. That's that's my so, take, I guess. Yeah, I'm, maybe we shouldn't spend this much time talking about Colvin in a game that Purdue wins. Yes, I do. Like, I do, though. Fair enough. Who's Johnny says, yeah, but guys, don't you think Colvin will start next season? I don't see for me, like, this is not the year where you try to, like, get players ready for next year. Like, you you go, like... I think, oh, when I was I saying yes, kind of, I do, I was answering that question. Yeah, okay. And so, we, okay. yeah, Colvin's talented. He'll have a full offseason, can definitely take a jump, like... I, I just I don't get why you'd want to do that right now. Like I, this doesn't feel like the time of 
hey, let's get Colvin ready for next year. Like you said, yeah, like it's just who like right now is not the time to do it. You have the team that has all the talent to be able to go far in March. Um, obviously, I know people would be like, hey, you want Colvin ready for March. If you got not if you have nine guys you fully if Painter's nine guys he fully trusts it come March, like he's he's gonna be happy with that. And uh it's not a knock on Colvin, it's just how talented and loaded Purdue is, especially kind of at the position he plays right now. He's gonna be great. Roster just hasn't quite worked out for him to come on as a freshman and and be elite. And yep. it's not like an uncommon thing. So um excited to see where he goes. He'll have, like you said, I agree with you, he's gonna have a couple games. What was it two years ago when Newman hadn't played in a while? He comes in against Penn State in the Big Ten tourney. I could see a game like that, right? Where it's whatever, because there's going to be at some point a game where Purdue just comes out crazy flat, like across the board. Colvin comes in, he hits a three, maybe he gets a transition dunk, brings some energy back. And like you said, Painter's going to ride with the guys. Like Painter is going to ride with who he thinks best. If it's Colvin, he'll ride with them. Um, that was probably too much talk about Colvin and all of that. But, um, just goes to show where this program's at, where this depth's at, that we can have these type of conversations and then be legitimate conversations. So, um, as we, do you have anything more on Colvin? No. All right. Go through a couple more of the players and then probably start wrapping things up. Um, well, I guess let's hit on that TKR really quick. Four points, five rebounds, two assists. Um, I thought he had good energy. I thought he played pretty well defensively. It's a good defensive matchup. Obviously, um, the, the, TKR goes down with an injury. It didn't look great. He does come back out to the bench after. We obviously have no word on that. Um, I, you know, the normal, the normal Purdue guys that you follow on Twitter, they will have the news. If we somehow hear anything first, we'll definitely let you guys know. But uh, you know, Newbert and, and all them, Casey, they'll they'll have the news of what TKR is, if he's good, if he's not. Hopefully it's just um, you know. Hopefully it was just one of those that hurt in the moment and he's going to be fine. Or maybe he has to miss Michigan because they, after Michigan, they don't play till the following Sunday at Rutgers. So maybe he has one game off um, in terms of play. Well, I guess, do you have anything in terms of injury? And then we'll hit on his play a little bit. I just when I mean, when he came back out, back out, it looked like he was putting a little bit of weight on it and whatnot. And it, I mean, obviously I'm not a doctor, so um, yeah. But, to, you know, it didn't seem like a terrible – it more seemed like that jammed and then his knee kind of bent, like, forward. I, and I hyperextended my knee three different times uh, in high school. And that's – I almost wonder if it's that where that knee snaps back and, like, kind of hyperextends that ligament or something like that. And a lot of times that's just not too bad. A little bit of ice and some rest and and can come back after a few days or whatever. So – Hopefully it's that uh, and not anything more severe. I'm not, don't want to really speculate. That's just kind of went through my, what went through my head when I saw that live. Um, I don't know. Maybe we have some sports doctors in here in the chat that can uh, weigh in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Hopefully he's back. If he misses a game or two, hopefully that is the extent of that. Um, in terms of play though, only 14 minutes in, in part because of that injury. I don't have too much on him. Solid game, um, aggressive Solid. on the boards, which is what you and, want to see. And I, I think he's getting really good at that big to big passing. Like, yeah, I just he think there's there's been game. a few passes in the last few games where his touch on that pass is is and the angle that he takes to make that pass to Zach has just been really good. And he doesn't fire a bullet when he does it. You know, some of the guys, um, like Mason's right. and Mason's good at it too. But a lot of times Mason will like boom just snap fire a bullet to Zach. And it's amazing. Zach has the hands to catch those things that he does. I don't think too many seven footers around the country can, but 
TK has got a, does a really nice job of putting a nice touch and angle on that ball and getting to where Zach can handle it super easy and go right into his motion. Yep. No, I, I agree. That's a good call out from you on that point. Um, as we bring the players back up, only a few more really to kind of touch on. We already hit on Heidi. Um, first, only eight minutes. He has two points, two rebounds, and assist. He's just it's just a tough spot for him in the rotation behind Gillis and TKR with Edie being as dominant as he is. Um, I thought today, especially though, he gave good energy. Sometimes he comes in and I think it's a little flat. This one I thought he had good energy, um, gets a couple boards. I don't have too much more on, on first. No, I mean I, I thought he gave good energy, uh, like you said. I, I thought he played, you know, showed some flashes of good defense in that stretch, too. He misses that bunny or I, you know, there yeah. was a couple of guys around him, but we've kind of talked about that before uh, about just kind of frustration of, and he's right there. And it seems like he has a relatively clean look after he gives a ball fake. And for whatever reason, it seems like that ball rims out about 50% of the time when he does that. Yep. Um, and and then the I'm last sure it sucks we... for him. Like I'm oh, sure it's yeah. really frustrating for him. Yeah. Well, sh yeah, he's shooting 53% from two right now on the year. Um, a lot of that coming in that that December stretch. Last guy, Ethan Morton. Um, he had a really good stretch in that first half, especially in his, his four or five minutes. Um, really good defense. Has the pull-up mid-range. When he got the steal and was going for the layup, I'm very glad that Braden was following because uh, <laughs> it was a great defensive play. I had no confidence in Morton making that layup, like absolutely none. I was just, I was hoping Brandon was going to be there. He was, at least it's two points still, but I think Morton's getting more comfortable. Um, he's just, or not even comfortable, but more confident. I, I think, like, I really think this 10, you know, I forget what he plays today, eight, nine minutes. This like, yeah, eight to 12, 14 minute roll. I think it just really is what he needs. It's, it's, he can come in, give really hard energy defensively, um, does what he does offensively, just kind of keeping the ball moving. Um, you saw today they sag off and, and he they dare him to shoot a three. That is obviously the concern offensively, but Morn just he's just so good defensively that Painter can bring him in, be like, hey, just just needed things to switch up, can handle the ball um, in, in a pinch, especially as that secondary ball handler. So I think Painter trusts him. I think Morn seems to be coming more and more confident in his role. Um, you just see a little bit of that swagger come out, and, and that's a good thing for Purdue. Because then if, he, if they need him for 20 minutes, like, I trust him to play that many if, if it's needed. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, I mean, he continues to show good, especially over the last few games, a couple of different times. He showed some really, really good defensive moments like he's always done. But I thought there was a stretch, especially towards the end of last year and early in the season where there were some moments where he – Maybe wasn't playing as good defensively as he had at, at his prime, I guess, in that regard. But I think maybe part of that, too, is we're starting to play some Big Ten teams that maybe don't have quite as quick and dynamic guards as some of the teams that we face in the non-conference. Um, but but really good in those moments. Definitely becoming more comfortable with the ball. I still like get super nervous every time I see him leading a fast break. Um, but... That confidence is coming. Uh, hit that little mid-range shot. That's pretty big to me. I don't know that that leads to more scoring down down the road, but if he can come in and you know make one out of two, one out of three, whenever he is getting his minutes, and if they're going to leave him wide open and just at least contribute something from a scoring standpoint, as long as he can spell and give some good defensive moments, because you've seen a couple of different times where he's come in the game 
And he may do nothing scoring-wise, but we may have a good four, five, six-minute really good defensive stretch and other people are scoring the ball around him that kind of allows Purdue to stretch the lead a little bit or pull away a little bit. So I I think he still brings a ton of value. Um, like yeah. you said, I think this is a much better spot for him on this year's team where he can bring that value in a 10-minute sample size. Yep. Um We'll hit on the rotation and, and then get to some of the questions or comments. Scott White said, the fact that we can stretch a lead with Zach on the bench is fantastic, which does lead me into uh, the rotations for today. For anybody watching on YouTube, uh, if you are also watching, please like and subscribe. We're 52 minutes into this. We're going to start wrapping things up, but uh, we really do appreciate everybody tuning in. Like, subscribe, uh, follow us on Twitter at Boilers in Stands just for some we had, you know, put out a couple graphics, um, different what Purdue stands in terms of their quad ranking against opponents, uh, shot chart showing which area, uh, what boiler shooting best from each area on the floor. So here's the rotation though against Iowa. Um, I don't think anything's too much out of the ordinary in terms of rotation. Morton comes in first today for Jones. They go back to that. Uh, the last couple of games, it had been uh, Heidi or, or they've kind of alternated between Morton and Heidi. Um, in terms of minutes though. Yeah, I don't think there's anything too crazy. I think the thing to point out, if you look below Josh first name, it says Purdue margin. And so that number represents what that plus or minus was for that, that unit on the floor. And you see that 14 to like eight minute mark in that first half, they're plus 15 in that point, uh, just a big run. And they go plus five without Edie on the floor or plus 10, sorry, without Edie on the floor. Um, in that four minute stretch. And that really broke the game open too. That kind of goes back to the comment I had up of, of being able to extend this lead. There's enough pieces that at times, you know, that's just how basketball works, right? You each make substitutions and it's a puzzle and you go back and forth. And sometimes things just click for a four or five minute stretch. doesn't mean you necessarily get it later because in the second half that, you know, a similar lineup was minus three without Edie, but uh, things can just click at the right moment. You get a big lead and it changes the game. So uh, do you have anything in terms of the rotation today? Anything stand out to you? I mean, not a lot. I, I think it's always interesting just to see. You, we don't know what happens in practice, right? But, uh, you know, you see what happens in a game. And and then he might tweak that, you know, Cam for Ethan. And I just, you know, I, I'd like to know sometimes like, oh, well, what is it from last game to this game? Or did you see something in practice that made you decide to switch that? Obviously, I think Ethan's just been so good defensively in the last couple of games that maybe he rides with them there instead. Um, I there was one stretch. Uh, it was when did who who were the five when Zach went to the bench with the second foul? Uh, that was in the first half. That was Braden, Lance, Mason, Heidi, and first. Uh, that's not the stretch I'm thinking of. There there was a stretch in there where <laughs> Lance was on the court and Smith wasn't. Um, that was for Edie one was minute. No okay. Well, I was scared that one minute. <laughs> Fair. Whatever, were, whatever that lineup was. They were a minus two in that one minute with Smith off the floor. <laughs> okay. Not a, not a real big sample size, but no. whatever that lineup uh, is, uh, those five, whenever I see it on the court, I'm always like, yeah. And then, like you said, it seems like it's just for a minute or maybe two minutes and then, and then eat uh, painters moving out of that rotation also. So, yep. There's comments saying like, Brayden playing 39 minutes is too much. Obviously, you would like to see that lower. It's just like, what do you do? Like, you can trust Jones and Morton for a little bit as ball handlers. Is it like the offense just takes such a dip when Brayden? I should look up the on-off numbers while we're talking. Uh, maybe I'll make maybe I'll make a post about that. Um, 
like you yes brain does not need like it would be so much better if he could play 35 minutes a game instead of 39 but it's just tough and there's just these stretches um that second half there iowa is just just sticking around they're keeping it at that 8 to 12 point march and i'm sure painter's worried like if i bench brain for even 2 minutes like what if iowa might just go on an 80 run here and now it's it's you're in a close ball game you bring him back in um it's a tough balance i'm like I would love to, see, I would love to see Brain be like thirty-four to thirty-five. If he could get like a two-minute rest, two to three-minute rest each half, that would be great. I just don't think it, he can always do that. I, I really don't. I think he's that valuable to this team. Um, just setting up the offense, I, like the offense just isn't I, the same without him. I think we've seen some stretches where where Lance has run point and been okay though. Like I, I feel like paint. I, Look, they're the number two team in the country. They've only lost two games all year. So not to be critical here in any way, shape, or form. But there's been some times where I'll, I thought, you know, all right, like like maybe let them work through that a moment uh, where, where Lance was at the point. Because it seemed like earlier in the year, like Lance did okay in some of those stretches. And he's gotten much better about how he delivers passes to Zach, about attacking off that eyeball screen and 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 you know, getting that lob up to Zach um, where he wasn't maybe real early in the year. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like just with the way Braden has looked the last few games, I'd, I'd like to see maybe just a little bit more trust and let it go. Even even if you see like a little quick six-point run, like maybe trust that a few more minutes and see. Because um, I'm, I'm a little bit worried um, about whether Braden's just getting worn down. And I do not want to see a worn down Braden Smith come March. You're on mute, Joe. I don't know when that happened. Oh, it's my. <laughs> Am I good? Do I sound good? Yep, you're good. All right. Purdue's offense dips from the 99th percentile to the 48th percentile when Braden is off the floor this year. Um, mm. They're 20 points per 100 possessions worse. The defense is look like it is 0.7. Like the defense is exactly the same. So they're just they're 20 points per 100 possessions worse with Braden off the floor. Obviously, Braden's so good that's like it's not like that's like unexpected. Um, but I think it just points out like how good he is. The effective field goal percentage drops by 10%. Um, let me see if I can get some of the more traditional stats here. I get it. I get it. I get it. With Brayden on the floor, Purdue shooting 43% from three. With him off, they're shooting 26% from three. Um, I would love, I'm not saying, like, I would love if Brayden could sit six minutes a game. I just, I understand at times, like, in my head, I get why he doesn't because it's just like, he just can't at times. Um, but, I don't, but you're right too. Like, you want him to save his legs and stuff. I, I don't know. Like maybe, it's a it's a tough like I mean it's a tough take, conversation and yeah. yeah do you just take the hit for five minutes and be like we're good enough to come back just to rest and then you rest Braden and you hope I mean you that's hope what, in those those minutes that you're just you live that's what Mike Woodson would do with that NBA mentality well got to save him for the playoffs yeah that's well <laughs> that's that's going well. I don't know that we need to be taking notes off Mike Woodson but you know Not what I'm saying moment. like no I get where, you. where's you know, I, I get to me, it's a little bit of a question of what's the end goal and, and when when do you want him to That's be the fair. best? Um, and and if it makes this game a dicey 
and a four or five point game, but Braden gets, you know, five, six more minutes or not five or six more minutes, but six minutes of rest. There's a piece of me that's like, I'll, I'll live with that. But I think uh, Sydney Machieski brings up a good point. Purdue fans would throw a fit <laughs> if we let a lead slip just to rest one guy. I, I'm not, that is true. Like if Braden sits for three minutes and Iowa goes on a big run, there is definitely going to be some like, Hey, why is uh why did Braden sit? But like we said, I, I think we've hashed out of like, there is good and bad to it. You need Brayden to be good, but at the same time, yep. if you want to be good in March, do you just sit now to see what happens later? It's a tough combo. I don't think there's necessarily a right answer. Um, it, was, it was a good good discussion, though, there. Uh, do you have anything else on that, on the rotation? If not, we'll get to some of these comments and then head out of here. Um, yeah. After, you know, watch some football and stuff like that. Or, I don't know, you probably got, like, sheep or something to do or uh, attend to. <laughs> attend to. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, no, I don't have any sheep work to do. I do have some things to get to, but no sheep work. But even so, I'd be watching college basketball instead of the playoffs. So, fair enough. Um, All right, comments. We kind of hit on this, John Hillary. Should we be worried about brain shooting stats continue to shut down? Right now, I think we're both in the we're not panicked, but we are monitoring. Um, like we expect it to come up, but it kind of goes back to the fresh legs in that. Is, is is that a fair statement? Yep, for sure. Um, Jeremy Hunter, any word on TKR's lower leg? Getting that leg caught under him looked rough, hoping no fracture. We have no word. Same with you, just hoping that it's yeah. nothing too serious. And I've been monitoring the most uh typical Twitter sites and reporters like Casey and Brian uh throughout the show to see whether there's been any news. And, and I haven't seen either of them tweet anything out yet. So um, I don't know if it's embedded in some of that video, but I would have thought if there would have been any indication one way or another, those guys would have got it out pretty quick. So my guess is probably something that's got to go back and be looked at and, and go from there. Yep. Uh, BK1 Bennett said Purdue's bench made a huge difference today. Double the points of Iowa's bench, double the rebounds too. better effort. hundred uh, percent. We, we hit on the bench, like just really good overall. Christopher Tice, right? Tice, uh, he, he throws up the shushing emoji, Lance to the Iowa crowd. <laughs> it's what Lance does, right? He's he's not afraid of the moment. Um, that I, I don't think the lead would have slipped anyways, but that three by Jones at the end where he shushes the crowd just absolutely killed any momentum Iowa had. Definitely put the game away, was a dagger. Dude, when they called blew that whistle right after that, when Fran called the timeout, I thought they teed him up for a second oh for that and i was like no like that can't be the lance jones moment like um <laughs> uh, yeah i was glad they did not see him up for that wouldn't so. have been shocked if for big ton refs to do that though that's for sure uh tree kamel this is another just hope tkr is okay but if there is one starter we can survive without it is him fair like in, because there are three options at the four um obviously i i'm a big fan of tkr like not every game is going to be his, but there are games that he's going to contribute a ton. And I think he's really, I think, especially the last, what, three weeks, he's really started to find his, his groove for the most part. Um, hope everything's good. Uh, this goes back to the shushing. Brad Prather says Jones three at the end was a backbreaker. Um, it ended it. Shancock, that was game. Yeah. Shancock. It's like, it reminds me of, uh, hold on a second. <laughs> Let my me bad. get this. No, in. my bad. My bad. Okay. You, you play pickup basketball? Of course. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. you know, and 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 you know, whatever, go to 21 win by two or go to 15 win by two, whatever you guys are playing to, right? And, and yep. you shoot play ones and twos. And I don't know if you did. That's what we always did. We played ones and twos, not twos and threes. Yeah. Um, 
shoot that three ball, the two ball, right? Yep. For last two points you need, call game, right? Walk away, yep. call game. That's what Lance did. Lance, Lance, it we were up eight already, but that was game. Lance jacked that thing up, walked away, called game. End of story. 100 percent uh shancock says question seriously are we rooting for villanova tonight i'm gonna be honest i have no clue who they're playing i assume you're playing you i guess yeah okay they're playing uconn um, um i don't care personally but i just hate just- danny hurley like there is no coaching personality in all of sports that i despise more so i am rooting against uconn every single game that i watch fair enough Tariq Kamal said, Lance Jones is the difference in breaking the press, shooting, defending, and pace the season. Lance Jones, 100%. Even in a game like today where we mentioned like, hey, this wasn't like the elite, elite Lance Jones game. Still just makes differences even through some of the flaws that he has. Uh, Rallo Boiler says, Morin played nice D today. Yeah, we mentioned that. The, the really good stretch, I, I thought, just helping kind of get the momentum for Purdue. He goes off the floor, and then they continue that momentum as well. Taterology. Um, oh, we already mentioned this one, but so we'll go to Walden Evans. Is Iowa attorney team? I think they're a bubble team contingent on how they play Illinois, Wisconsin, Northwestern. I don't think they're attorney team. I have not thought they've been attorney team all year. Um, you go through who what they are. I think they're they're a solid non-turney team. Like I think they're pretty talented for what a non-turney team will be, but you kind of just go through the resume. Um non-conference, their best wins neutral against Scene Hall, and then their next best. Arkansas State at home. Um, those are not conference specific. They have beat Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Big Ten play. They also, I'm just scanning through the schedule. They have Wisconsin once more, Illinois twice. They don't have Purdue more. Um, and they don't play Michigan. Oh, they play Michigan State once. So pretty much some, some of these teams that, oh, wow. I'm really scanning through now. They play like five games against tournament teams the rest of the way. So it's just going to be tough for them to get quality wins to get there. Do you have any thoughts on Iowa being a tourney team or not? They are not. Those are my thoughts. Go. Yep. Uh, um, from Blake Widmer, uh, very active in the chat. Always. We appreciate you tuning in Blake and everybody else. If you're here, uh, please like subscribe. Just helps us out a ton. Blake Widmer says boiler up in an airplane and airports or didn't really see the game. How would you rate our performance? I want an offensive, an offense score. A minus and a defense score C plus. Those are both question marks. So I assume he's asking, like, what would we rate our offense, produce offense and produce defense today on like a grading scale? Um, I would say defense is like a I don't know, a B minus B B to B minus. Cause it just didn't like the numbers were good. It just didn't always look good. Um <coughs> offense. Uh, I'd say I'll say an A minus because it wasn't like an insane three-point shooting game. Um, but it, it was pretty high up there for me. What about you? I, I would go with a solid B on defense. Iowa at home, 70 points. Yeah. Held them their fourth worst offensive output of the year. So I, I would, maybe even a B plus, if I'm being serious. If Perkins didn't just make us look silly sometimes yeah. throughout that game, I think I'd be able to rate us a, a little bit higher there. Um, offense? Yeah. A minus B. I really, I put them about the same. I, I'm going to say B plus on both of them. Fair enough. So, um, you know, quality game wasn't like Purdue's best performance, but still very good, good enough to get a win on the road. 
which is rare to do in the Big Ten this year. David Dillman, um, this is just talking about TKR. He said he did come back out to the sideline shortly after. Hopefully it was a good sign. It was a really tough fall. Word probably just hasn't come out yet. You kind of mentioned that before. Um, just nothing, nothing really come out. Probably will have to run some tests or something like that. Two more comments. Um, who's Johnny said should be a good matchup between Braden and McDaniel. McDaniel will not be playing in Michigan because it is one of the road games and McDaniel is playing is suspended for six straight road games. This is <laughs> one of those. Um, so it's going to be a lot of Jalen Wellen, uh, George Washington, the third. Also, he's the freshman that doesn't really get a ton of minutes. And then they're just going to have they're going to play four power forwards all at the same time, like on the floor together. Um, I guess we can briefly we we don't have to go long on this. Anything. Just as we kind of think through this Purdue match or Michigan matchup really quick as they play Tuesday night, 9, 9 o'clock Eastern tip. Um, anything brief, brief notes that stand out to you about that game? Uh, we should beat them by 30. Miles Colvin should get a lot of minutes in the second half and uh, Willie Berg should see the floor. I Without, like if McDaniel was coming, I would say... There would be some reason to worry because McDaniel is the type of guard in a boo booey Jameer Young type style in terms of the way he plays and what he can do uh, when he gets going that could hurt us. But without him, I just don't see any way Michigan keeps this even relatively close. Yeah, I think the only thing in terms of that stand out is like Michigan will play four power forwards. Um and so it's just the matchups that happen with that. They'll start with with uh, Llewellyn and Burnett, who are both guards, and then three, you know, three forwards. Um, like lawyers, going to have to be guarding a six foot. What was Terrence Williams? Six seven, six eight. Um, at times, like Lance or Brain might have to be guarding like a six eight dude. So they, they'll have that size if they want. On the other end, though, I don't think Michigan can just keep up defensively with that lineup as well. So just give and take there. That'll be the that's the one thing that stands out. Michigan can just be gigantic if they want. And how does that affect Purdue's three guard lineup? Um, from JB, Kentucky is probably the one thing that scares me the most. I think he's talking about March Madness, and I know they just got their mm -hmm. their big just became eligible. They're seven foot two freshman. Um, I don't know a lot about him. I don't know a lot about Kentucky to be honest right now, but I know, I know they've been playing well, really high octane offense defense is just okay. Um, we'll talk about March. I'm sure as we get later, I don't, do you have any thoughts on Kentucky or who, who scares you the most if we're looking way ahead? I mean, Kentucky and UConn are up there in terms yeah. of teams, just with the type of guard play that could, I think could give us some trouble. Um, I don't even really look to see whether they have a, a dominant big or not. Cause I don't think that's necessarily what predicates what can give Purdue trouble, but um yeah i think and i haven't really got to watch north carolina play at all this year yeah i i just kind of see what they're doing from afar and you've got baycott so you know can at least maybe potentially slow down zach a little bit uh but i haven't i haven't watched much further than that i do in general i you know we've chatted about this briefly but i think from seeing some of the teams play live and then watching some of the others on tv i think the big 12 is really overrated this year um in terms of the top end yeah like i think there's a lot of good good teams in the big 12 but i think they lack like some of these last few years they, they've had three or four teams that i thought could all make the final four i i don't think there's a single team in there if i was to pick my final four i want to have a big 12 team in there put it that way fair enough um i watched the big 10 so 
if it's outside the Big Ten, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I don't have great answers for you. Come March, I will deep dive everything that we need. But uh, right now, I don't know. So um, fun way to end the show there. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Craig, do you have anything else you want to throw out there? Just anything. <laughs> No, I, I've got I've got no like uh, major ending points here other than man and enjoy um, your Big Ten road games aren't easy even if they're not tournament teams and Purdue went to IU had a twenty point lead at one point Purdue went to Iowa had a nineteen point lead at one point kept both of those teams arms length the entire time and won both of those games easily if we're being yeah. honest. Um, Enjoy the fact that Purdue seems to have turned the corner in terms of what they're doing road game wise. It'll be interesting, obviously, when we play, a, you know, what I would consider to be a top five Big Ten team on the road. Uh, but it's nice to see them taking care of business on the teams that they should take care of business with. Yeah, I mean, we looked through really quick. The road games left at Rutgers, at Wisconsin, at Ohio State, at Michigan and at Illinois. Um, Wisconsin, and Illinois, obviously two very good teams. Rutgers is scary, just because it's at the rack and that place is going to be hopping. Purdue's a much, much more talented team, though. Um, and then the Ohio State, Michigan, like they're not, I mean, Ohio State's much better than Michigan, but uh, two games that don't exactly strike fear, but also it's the road. So anything can happen in the Big Ten. Uh, we will be back Tuesday night for a, a late tip, a nine o'clock Eastern tip on everybody's favorite streaming service, Peacock. Uh, Woohoo! Nine o'clock tip at Mackey. Purdue takes on. Uh, Michigan without Doug McDaniel will be live after the game. Uh, a few minutes, probably, you know, five, 10 minutes, whatever, after the game ends. Hopefully it's a blowout so then we can keep it a little bit of a shorter show and, and head back home. But we do appreciate everybody tuning in. On the way out, please hit the like and subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. We're on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts as well if you prefer those there. And if you do, give us a five-star review. just helps us out. Follow us on Twitter at Boilers and Stands for just more content, live game updates, in-between stuff, all that. You can follow Craig on Twitter at CraigBowers34, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeJacksonCBB. Once again, thank you all for tuning in. We will see you after the game Tuesday, 9 o'clock tip against Michigan. And what does Bragg say? As always, hammer down. Boiler up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>